Brent, I am so excited to have you here. I know we've been longtime online friends and you know offline colleagues, and I'm so excited to really dig in because honestly, there's some things that I don't know about your story that I'm excited to hear about. So welcome. Thank you. Happy to be here. <laughs> okay, so you know, I don't think that in all of our conversations, I've ever actually heard how you started or what was the idea behind multifamily insiders what 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 how did this brainchild happen um failure so <laughs> failure led to this really um so when i got into the industry it was uh it was on purpose which is weird for a lot of people most people fall into it but i actually loved the idea of the industry specifically when it came to resident retention because i had I was in finance, which is not at all related uh, for a lot of the on-site operation stuff. Um, and I, I, I had hopped from community to community. A lot of people do that, right? And I always felt, shoot, if I just knew one other person at this community, I would, there would be a much greater chance of me staying. I may not, but you know, it would up my chances, right? And yet it was hard to meet people. Like I think a lot of people realize that it's just, you're, you're, uh, you're very isolated, especially when you think about garden style apartments. It's, you know, you go into your little spot right in front of your, your, your apartment and, and maybe there's, um, you know, five other doors right by you and you may cross paths with them. And then even if you do cross paths with them, you know, the chances that they may be a good connection point for you, like you have similar interests, it's just pretty low. So yeah. my thought was, how do we connect people better? And so when I got in the industry, at first I did events. So I was an event planner and that was a wild ride in itself. Um, but <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, I, we did some events where it was some, I remember one, it was really, it was in a, a very seedy area. And so we went and I, uh, I was putting out balloons and I'm, 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 I have these balloons. I'm taking them to the front gate, right? I'm going to tie them up. And as I'm walking out there, keep in mind that like this is not a very like, I'm I'm kind of terrified. It's not. <laughs> and I'm walking and I, and I hear this bang. I was like, as so I drop to the ground with these balloons in my hand, right? I'm just like flattened like a pancake to the ground. And I look around and I realize like, nothing's <laughs> happening. And I look over and one of my balloons has popped. <laughs> and so I'm sitting there with these balloons with a pop balloon. And I'm like, this is ridiculous. I, I look like a fool. Oh, and so yeah. I go over and I walk over and I, I tie my balloons up. And yeah, that was my first adventure. I have to stop you because, I mean, I'm serious. I've never shared this with you. I one time was contracted to speak for FPI management and they had done the event at a baseball field and they had these balloon arches over me. And there had been some shootings like the week before. So I, not in the area, but just on the news. So I'm not kidding you. One of the balloons popped, but I did not know that's what happened. <laughs> I too dropped to the floor and literally like looked around and I had this whole stage full of people looking at me. It was <laughs> most embarrassing moments, but I feel like we are kindred spirits. Yes. <laughs> that was both of our reaction was like drop to the floor. We both have negative experiences with balloons. I don't know what that's like the, the the bonding point that we should have or not, but sure, let's go for it. That would have connected us if we yes. were neighbors. Absolutely. <laughs> okay, so keep telling us you're telling us then what happened. So you're okay. event planning. So I realized that that wasn't scalable. So then I switched over, at least for what I wanted to do. So um, so then I was like, well, 
at that moment, social media was just getting its legs under it. And so I was like, well, why don't we have a social network for apartment communities? Because then they can get to know each other in a, a very comfortable environment. Um, you know, not everybody would come to our events. And there's a lot of people who just didn't feel like it's a, it's a weird environment. You know, the only thing you have in common is that you happen to be living in the same area. And, and some people are okay with that. And some, some people aren't. So if you could ask me online, the, the introverts of the world could go in there and they could just kind of dip their toes into the social fabric of the community, right? Right. And so that was my, my grand plan. And yeah, it worked until it didn't work when I realized that property managers at the time, they didn't want the residents actually talking to each yeah. other. They wanted to chaperone everything, right? But the idea that they would talk to each other like outside of their little watchful eye was was terrifying for them because you know, maybe they talk about the the car break-ins or what was their rent increase or whatever. And so there was definitely fear there. And, and it didn't help that, you know, MySpace was still the big thing at that point. So, you know, we were the MySpace of multifamily, which had its own little ring to it, but MySpace didn't have the best, you know, reputation. So we, you know, it just didn't hit the right chords. And so Multifamily Insiders then was a spring off of that. So it was a next iteration to help the industry understand what social networking was. And the idea was that let's first get them used to this concept. And then we'll come back and we'll talk about how can we implement this concept with your communities now that you feel more comfortable with it. And we just never went back. Um, it was, uh, it grew so fast, so quickly that like this is obviously where we need to be so we just uh, stayed with it that is incredible i you know we're talking about community but i also think just a point i want to like you know put a pin on or extract from that was also pivoting that when you land on something that you know i think sometimes people view things as a failure but what happened is you took something that could have been a failure and really you saw then where the need the opportunity was and it's almost like it but it came through action. It didn't just immediately come from itself. So I think that's a great point too, that even in property management, sometimes you're going to try things, they're not going to work, but it might be the springboard for the next great thing. And man, what a great thing it's turned out. I think- yes. from Just let me, let me chime in real quick. Yeah. I, uh, I always, always heard that only one out of 10 startups succeed. And so my theory was, well, let's start up 10, then we're good, right? <laughs> right. Um, and it turns out that actually after the first one, it's like something like one out of four startups succeed because you learn so much that first time around that you're able to implement and really, you know, step up your game this next time around. And so uh, hopefully if you keep at it, you know, you kind of land on something that, that hits the right course. Absolutely. Yeah. We started out as a staging mini model. So I guess I had my first, I never thought about that. That was my iteration and then we pivoted. So, so you guys have made an incredible community. And I think as an outsider, you know, I'm in marketing and I have marveled at what you guys, what you, you know, you initially really built from, from the ground up. And I've seen this community, people are fiercely loyal. They identify themselves as being part of the multifamily insiders community. That's not an easy thing to do. I think that, you know, customers, I don't wanna say customers, but people seem to be very, uh, not necessarily always brand loyal and you guys have been able to do that. So why do you think that community is so important to multifamily individuals? Well, I think, you know, community is important to everybody. 
to some degree. I mean, we all need that connection point, but I think especially in multifamily, we are such a unique industry. Um, people are, you know, what we offer people is a highly emotionally charged thing, their home, right? I mean, there's very few things that people are more connected to, right? Their family probably. Um, so, so you already have something that's very, very intense with them. And then our office is at their home, which is just a bizarre thought. It is so weird. It. Yeah. And so, so you just have this, these opportunities for conflict and, and challenges because they're, you know, really upset about something and they can just walk right over. And now we have this face-to-face -face confrontation. So not only do people need, you know, help with, Hey, just in general, how do I run my communities better? But then also I need that community because I need to, to have that bonding moment to say you're, we've all been there. We've all had those, those trouble residents or, or even the opposite true is, you know, those really amazing scenarios that happen that again, only happen when you deal with something very highly emotionally charged. So to have that kind of camaraderie in a very uniquely challenging industry, I think is really important. I would agree. And, you know, if you just read through some of the posts or some of the, you know, different um, conversations that happen, they're so real. They're so honest. People feel safe to share some of these crazy things that literally you couldn't make some of this stuff up. Right. And yet right. it's almost like you might be having a bad day. And I, I wonder sometimes if that's what, the, what happens that someone's having a bad day, they get onto one of these platforms that you've, you know, put together, whether it's on LinkedIn or on Facebook or on the blog and they're communicating and they're getting that feeling of like, Hey, I'm not alone. Like I can, I can, it's almost like that fuel to keep going. Do you find that to be true? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, I think absolutely they need that sense of I'm not alone, like you said. Um, but I think what's also interesting about the community is you get a pulse for the industry where you start seeing how people, how our industry as a whole needs to evolve and react to the challenges that are happening in multifamily. We are, our onsite teams are probably more stressed out than they've ever been. I worked on site. I know how it is. It's nothing like when I was there. Right. Um, the, you know, the amount of tasks they have are just so much greater. And so you can now hear these voices and sharing the challenges. I saw a post that just came through today about how, and this person's like, I'm done. I can't do this anymore. What other industries should I look at? You know? And it's like, it's sad, but also hopefully my hope is that it, it allows us to be introspective with our industry and learn how to make it better, make that experience of working on site better so that we, we pull things away from the on-site team to make it easier on them. We provide more health and wellness, uh, mental well-being types of, of content. Uh, we just had Lori Snyder on uh, a week or two ago and she was talking about mental well-being and how, how important that is. And we're getting more of that where it's like, I need that, those extra resources for both myself and my team and helping them cope with what's going on right now. Yeah. You know, I saw that come through and, um, I, I don't, I don't share every single one, but that one I sent out to our members and, you know, and invited them to register from, from your email. I love that. Thank you. You're welcome. But it's, it's exactly what you're saying because you see it and it's something that is needed. And then, 
uh, another thing, it's so funny, like you were obviously your community was on my mind because last week I was talking with a CEO who's a client and of a large management company. And she made the comment, she said, I always feel like, you know, um, you get more intel from my sites than I do. She, she mentioned that. And I said, you know, she said, I feel like I need to know more of what's going on. And, you know, I feel, and, and this was a very raw conversation. She's like, if I'm being honest, that I want to be on site more, but I feel more disconnected than ever just because of my responsibilities and all of these things. And I said, you know what, here's a tip. I said, jump onto one of the groups, the multifamily insiders group. I said, they might not be your managers or your leasing agents, but in a sense they are. What you hear there is what's happening. And so I think that's what you said. One of the maybe most understated values is a pulse for the industry is what you can get from just browse browse a week worth of, of things. And you'll be like, wow, our teams are dealing with a lot. Yeah, absolutely. Whenever a new supplier comes into the industry, um, it's so funny how many times a supplier has said, I needed to kind of get up to speed on what it's like to work on site. And they're like, this helps so much to just scroll through and now, okay, now I understand. Now they can better serve their clients because they have a, a, a more, a better insight into what's, what's in their world, basically. Oh yeah. So it's definitely not just for managers. Suppliers can, I mean, if, if you've never worked on site, that would be the quickest way. I love that you mentioned that. So how did you guys, how did you do it initially? How have you, I'm sure there were many layers, but how did you foster this community? How did you build it? So a lot of TLC, um, you know, to, to get something like that going where you get people to be comfortable and, and see as a place to actually go and, and interact you know, what I wanted to do, my goal was to make sure that nobody ever felt that they were, were um, speaking into the void, that they were always heard. So when somebody asked a question, I would go out and I would find somebody who was a subject matter expert in that area. Hey, can you come and, and, and help them with their question? Because I often wasn't the SM. I, like, I had my own little niche of knowledge, but there's a lot of other people who knew a lot more than I did. So for me, it was a lot of just you know, pulling these resources together and say, okay, how can we help this person with this thing? And for a very long time, that's, I, that took up a lot of my time to make sure that every question was answered, that we had good conversation with each one until the community could stand on its own two legs and it could have enough interaction of its own that people organically then would interact and share and, and uh, help each other out. And then it was kind of self-sustaining at that point. So a lot of it was just making sure that we were contributing. Um, I contributed also as a member. So I wasn't just, I had kind of a dual role. I was both the kind of the admin of the group, I guess, and then also a member. So I could, I could act in both ways and I could help build a vibrant community. Um, and so it wasn't a set it and forget it type of situation where, you know, we built it. Now people are suddenly going to start talking. That's not how it works. Right. You know, it takes a lot of, a lot of TLC to make that happen. I can't imagine how much time that took to, it, it's almost like you were a matchmaker, matching the right comment to the right person or, you know, getting that. Um, but it obviously showed that that handholding was what was necessary at the beginning stages. Something that I've observed from the outside is as you've grown and your team has grown, you guys have managed to do that with the extensions of you, you know, because a lot of times when you're the founder and you're the one person, it, it's hard to replicate that across the board. And just because I've interacted with a few from, you know, your team, they've done the same thing. They've really made, you know, like 
I've worked with, you know, Lila, for example, I feel like I'm the only person in the room when she's emailing me. Like I literally, I screenshotted her email the other day and I sent it to our customer service team. I was like, can you feel her personality through this email? And they're like, yes. I said, she's, you know, we connected on sourdough bread making, but the fact that she (laughs) needs to do that, you know, to connect that. So how have you done that as your team has grown? Oh, shoot. You know, I mean, it's weird because we're, we're a distributed team. So we all work from home. Right. Um, we do try to connect in person every so often, but that's challenging. Um, I honestly, I don't know if I have a secret ingredient to that. Um, I mean, finding awesome people and yeah. just letting them shine. It's so awesome. Like you mentioned Lila, for example, and this is the same thing with everybody. It's like, I'll see, I'll start seeing people tag them or mention them in other emails and stuff like that. And it's like, oh, that's, that's the absolute best, best situation. Like I, I, I just, I, it makes me so excited when I see somebody else tagging Lila on LinkedIn, for example, like, wow, yeah. it's so neat to see. Um, yeah, I, I think I'm just lucky to have awesome people. I mean, really when it comes down to it. Um, and I think that we've been around long enough that pe- that people can feed into the community ethos that we have both internally as a team and then also with multifamily insiders as an external community you know so everybody kind of sees what we're trying to accomplish and um and and i like to think that maybe you know i always try to walk the walk and make sure that i am you know i have I go overboard with customer service and that's, it's actually from a business perspective, that's actually been a challenge because when you, we have a social network and there's no cost to being a part of a social network. So we end up providing customer service to a very large chunk of the industry and don't get paid for it. Right. right? And so from a business perspective, it's challenging, but from a culture perspective, I feel like it was always the right thing to do. Um, I remember one time where Somebody called me up and said, hey, I need to, to register for brainstorming. Well, brainstorming is not our conference. <laughs> uh, it was Multifamily Pro. And so I was like, <laughs> okay, well, let me see what I can help out. And so I got on what, Multifamily Pro's website. I'm looking up how to register and all that stuff. So I'm just helping them out how best I could for a different company completely. Um, but I, I, like, I always felt like that's the kind of organization that I wanted to have. Yeah. You know, I always wanted to feel like we were um, just there for the, you know, there for people. And hopefully then that means that eventually they'll be there for us. And it also, it's all kind of worked out that way. Yeah. You know, I think you could say that, oh, you know, you just happen to, you know, you have awesome people, but I would more venture to say that the awesome people, when it comes to hiring, hiring is a marketing game as well. And I think when they see what has been built, you probably wouldn't apply to multifamily insiders and think I can just kind of lay low and do the bare minimum. So I think that's a standard. And then on top of that, I also think what's neat about it is that all of you guys have different personalities and you can feel that in the emails. So even though the customer service feels the same, it feels unique. And so that's to me what I think is so empowering about when you build a team like that, that they're carrying on that feeling, but not necessarily in a cookie cutter has to be like Brent kind of way. And I think that's, you know, that's pretty cool. So a little, a little uh, secret information about how our team has grown. So my wife is very, very social. I mean, one of the most social people I've ever met. So she knows a ton of people. So anytime that we're like, hey, we need, you know, we need to grow. We, we have all these things we have to do. My wife is like, well, let me see. And so she like, oh, so-and-so is looking for something. So-and-so is looking for something, right? So 
everybody on my team right now is actually friends with my wife. And so like some people might see that as like kind of like a, like a, so all of your you know wife's friends now work for you and like, is that concerning at all? And like, it would turn out great. Like I, she has great taste in people. And so that's worked out. And so we were talking about, we're hiring somebody new. We're like, well, what's better person? Yeah. Or, you know, who does she have for us now? And yeah, so that's apparently how our company has grown. That is amazing. So I think every HR recruiter that listens to this show is going to be like, how do we get her to work for us <laughs> right. and find us exactly. these people? Yes. So- Okay, I want to segue because I would love a great takeaway. I mean, I think, you know, one of the skills I always talk about is I think it's great when you can recognize something related to your industry, but maybe not exactly, and you can pull from it. And so for the property managers, the on-site teams that are listening, I feel that there is so much that they can glean from how you all have built community. What are some strategies that they could adapt or, you know, kind of tweak to make work for those on-site community building? I think the first thing when a community thinks about building a sense of community, like a, 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 a resident to resident interactions, you know, these that, that types of relationships. The first thing I think they need to think about is what are their goals? So going back to, you know, what challenges that we had with my previous company with the social network. So Facebook, it was growing and fan pages were becoming a thing. And so now, all these communities were like, hey, well, we can have a social presence. We can have our own fan page and it's free, right? Right. There's nothing wrong with fan pages. I think, that, I mean, there's, there's some challenges that Facebook, right. you know, is, is a pay to play model type of situation, but there's nothing wrong with them. But it, it does have a specific mode of communication. It is a community to resident communication, or it's like a one to many communication, right? And they can reply back. And sometimes they can reply to each other if it's, you know, sometimes that happens. But it's not really geared towards resident to resident interaction. That's not, it's the way it's designed or built. So I think it's thinking about what do we want our goals to be? Where do we find value? You know, when I think about, you know, how I enter the industry and like, you know, if I just knew one person, right? Like, is that, is that the goal? Is the goal to say, how are we going to make those connection points? And we already do it with our summer parties, right? And we just have to, you know, kind of understand or be comfortable with this idea of them communicating when we're not over their shoulder, mm-hmm. but by giving them different avenues for communicating, it it helps them in different ways. You know, not everybody's gonna be comfortable going to the summer party, you know? And so how do we provide those opportunities and be okay? And, and, and then strategies to make sure it's a positive experience. So. With the multifamily share space, for example, we have in the very first line, we have positive. That's what that's a very important word. And we talked about that as the group was getting bigger and bigger, that we were focusing on positive interactions. Yeah. You know, we we do allow, you know, we do want them to be able to share their frustrations, but it still has an underpinning of, hey, we're gonna have a positive interaction with each other, right? Because it can go off the rails really easily with politics and that sort of thing. And I'll have people, you know, send me a link and say, hey, is this kind of fitting with the positive mentality that you're going for? And we'll usually talk to that person and say, hey, you know, this is this is our goal. This is what we're trying to accomplish. And they'll be usually be understanding. You know, sometimes they're not, but generally speaking, they will be. And so by setting the tone, it can really kind of establish that and and 
and uh, you know, kind of create the ethos of, of that community. And also, it can be so strong as I think that when, when you develop a community and you have people who are really excited about what you're doing and they're very passionate and they they truly become fans, right? I mean, Facebook is a fan page, but are they fans, right? When when we were still, I guess we were had been around for a bit, so we had kind of developed this community, but we were still young in the sense that we had not grown to where we are yet. Well, we had somebody who blogged on the platform and he said, you know, I can't believe you all are just creating this free content for multifamily insiders and they're making millions and off of your backs and, and all this stuff. And I'm thinking to myself, I just had a conversation with my wife and I wasn't sure if I was going to have to like go get a real job because we're about to go under, right? He has no idea what's going on, but that was the percent, his perception, right? And so at that moment, I had this thought of, well, what do I do? You know, I could have removed it, but then it sets the tone of like, I'm trying to hide something. And then really people really think that, that I'm trying to, to build everything on the backs of everybody else. So instead I left it up and I was like, you know what, let's just be transparent. Let's just let people talk. Right. And it was amazing to see the response of the community. I mean, my goodness, I, they rallied around. They basically said, you know, you know, he's created this, this place for us to all talk and share and discuss and, we are we know how this works we know there's there's sponsors that are advertising right that's how that's how they make ends meet and we understand that and that's that's the implied arrangement we understand we we understand the values bring it got to the point though where they were defending so vigorously that i felt nervous for the guy i was like this post is actually doing him more harm than good right and so at some point i actually did re- remove it going i gotta protect this guy now because i right. felt kind of bad for him so but that, but but we had de- we, we were able to develop a community that was really passionately positive about, about the community, and and it kind of you know kind of uh, built this kind of uh, self uh, regulating you know like this this positive element to it um, that that helped us keep that that um, that way of thinking with the community. So I think when we think about apartment communities, I I still feel like there are avenues for having really, really deep resident to resident engagement and, and connections. And I think there's ways to do it both in person and online. It's just a matter of setting, like understanding the tools available and creating a plan to, to you know, um, how are we going to you know, like, you know, react in different scenarios and how are we going to establish a positive and, and have it really be authentic, you know, you can say we're going to be positive, and then, but if, if your operations aren't positive, you know, you know, then you're not going to have you have that disconnect. It's not going to come across authentically. So I, I think there's a real big opportunity there still. Um, unfortunately, I think things like having the wrong tools set back the industry to a certain degree on on how they can actually leverage online social networks to to make that happen. Well, and also, I mean, you shared, I mean, so many good things, but also with, with, with that, what I, what I'm hearing is like going back to our first part of our conversation, it took a lot of time and nurturing for this to happen. And so I would assume too, that, you know, just like, um, we give credence to the fact that events take time to plan and to do having an online community that you're overseeing and that you're fostering is also going to take time and energy and is going to need resources. Yes. Yeah, I think that there's so many, I mean, so many great opportunities 
to be, like I said, both an admin and a member. Think about like, wait, like leveraging the external community, you know, like have every week, we're, hey, we're going to, we're going to showcase a really cool place that we're, we ate at or whatever, or this, this event is coming up. Who's going to go check it out or whatever. There's so many amazing content ideas that happen that can be leveraged and that also sets the tone, right? That we're going to share really awesome things. And you can set that in your marking of it, of sharing amazing things that are happening in and around the community. And that's what the goal is. That's the purpose of the community. And then, and it's not going to always go that way. You know, there's going to be things that kind of go veer off and then just having to plan for that and going, okay, let's be authentic. It's like reputation management. How do we approach those that are not, you know, positive? Well, there's good ways and bad ways to do that. And so we, you know, at least this way, you have almost opportunities to avoid that negative review because you have the opportunity to, to really deal with it in-house and you know what they're talking about. So there's really some neat things there. Absolutely. And I think that people forget, you know, community is happening, whether you're actively overseeing it, like you said, like mom and dad, <laughs> or whether it, you're not, you know, you're not, it's happening. So when people say, how do you build community? It's already happening. You just get to decide what role you play in it. And I think that the retention piece that you mentioned there, that's huge. It's almost like those conversations are happening. How cool that you could be a part of it in a sense, you know, like you said, maybe be the admin and be a member and have real life. And in, in a real family, you're going to have conflict, but I think two people are lonely and people are sick of bad news. And so creating a space like that is really a just, I mean, it's a win for so many different reasons. Yeah. And I think setting, setting the guidelines, the rule, the, the boundaries, as it were, you know, we have a no politics rule on there. And some people don't like that rule, but it keeps things healthy. And so if you set those up probably at the beginning, you can then remove that because, hey, you know what? There's awesome. There's tons of places to talk about politics, but this is not the place that we're trying to foster that. Right. So setting the kind of guidelines, both good and bad, or can, can help alleviate that and give you the tools where you're not being uh, malicious in how you moderate that community. Yes, that's such a good point to set it up right so that you're not then blindsided and you have your guidelines, your guiding principles. So I think these are some great takeaways. And as a supplier, I feel like, you know, when you're trying to foster community, these are some great tips as well is to really, you know, hear what your clients are saying in a way that, you know, I, I've seen that happen with other suppliers as well. And I, and I think that the fear factor can be there. Oh, what if it goes negative? But I've seen this in many cases, like your experience where how much more powerful that your community comes to your defense than that you have to take it down or reputation management with these outside tools, rather than you addressing it, knowing what's actually happening. I think that's pretty cool. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So I want to know what's next for multifamily insiders. What do you guys have? Y'all every year, it's like something exciting is coming up. Well, you know what? I'm, I'm actually having a challenge because we're trying to apply too many big projects right now. Um, so I'm I'm a little underwater, but I'll tell you about one, okay. which is um, we realized that, like I was kind of mentioning how there's so much going on on site that there's so many things that's hard to keep up with what's out there in multifamily. We have so many different types of service providers that's hard to get our arms around what's available and who does what. So we decided to do a, a demo day. So it's actually going to be one or two days of where we just bring in suppliers and showcase kind of what, what's going on, kind of dig in a little bit deeper than one would normally see about what their service is all about. And um, 
and then people can kind of take a, take a look at that and kind of get a sense for what's happened in the industry, what might work for them. So that's going to be a big thing in about two months. In fact, we started asking um, what what companies would you like to see in Demo Day? And I was just scrolling through these yesterday and I saw your company name on there. Ooh, so somebody good. was saying, hey, I want to get more information about them. That's awesome to hear. I think it's so cool because I've done a reverse trade show before and it sounds like in a, in a way it's a, a, a concept similar, but I think in a way that people are maybe less intimidated than having to be in person. So I think this is going to be really successful and really exciting. I hope um, so. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll, we'll stay tuned to see that. Now, I love that you guys have different platforms. It's almost like whatever way you like to communicate. So can you talk about just the differences and what the platforms offer? And for those that maybe aren't part of the community yet, how they can be a part of it? Sure. Yeah. So multifamilyinsiders.com is our primary hub. And so there's ways to interact there and get thought leadership and, and really dig in some really deep topics. We also have a, a tools area, which with just hundreds of download, downloadable resources. So there's a lot of really great stuff there and you can get all of that for free um, just by creating an account. So it's really easy to get involved. We also have a multifamily share space Facebook group. And so that's a lot of amazing conversations there. Um, we have a multifamily insiders LinkedIn group, which is actually our very first home. We started it as a LinkedIn group in 2008. Wow. So um, that group has 45,000 people, something like that. Um, and so uh, in each place has a little bit different, um, I don't know, not tone or just different topics they talk about. So Facebook was probably more on-site questions, whereas LinkedIn probably has more kind of like overall corporate and, and, and visionary type of thoughts on, uh, on property management. Um, so yeah, those are our, our main locations. That's great. So I think people should definitely go there. I, I would say that the way that you described them is perfect. It's like LinkedIn feels a little more business executive and there's some like higher level topics that are being discussed. To me, Facebook is like, I need to know what's really going on. Like the real, like real, real, let me get on Facebook and see what's happening. And then I like the blog. I wish I, I, I like to dig in there. Like when I get there, it's like, who you can pull from. I have a few favorites that I follow. And so I think that's a, that's a really neat place because it's, it's so many different topics. So I encourage everyone to, to, um, to join the community and to have an active role. And you guys send out an email weekly, which I think is great because it's kind of a roundup of the best of the best. Yeah, absolutely. And everybody's welcome to not only like, you know, intake conversation, but also, you know, be a thought leader yourself. Like every, every person, no matter what level they are in multifamily has at least one great idea per year. I mean, you just joined the industry. You have a fresh perspective that nobody else has because things change so much. And and a like you're saying, you know, sometimes people higher up can get, you know, they don't have the touch, the you know, the touch point with the onsite team, but somebody new does, and they have this fresh way of looking at things. Somebody who's been in the industry for 20, 30 years has a wealth of knowledge to share. So it's the only way our community survives is when people take time to share a little bit of their experience, a little bit of their brain, and that's what keeps it ticking. That's perfect. So don't think that you have to be an expert. You've got an expert field in something. So Brent, this has been an incredible conversation. I know all the ins and outs that I feel I didn't, didn't know, and I'm so happy to know your story. Thank you so much for spending this time with me today. Well, thank you for having me. It's been great. Yay. <laughs>